0: Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities, available on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and my website journeyofpossibilities.com. dot com. I'm your host Cheryl Sitz, and every week we have what I consider to be some of the most interesting conversations on the planet about holistic spiritual living. Both the show and website are made possible by Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance. Mario, you're here every week. How can you help our listeners?
1: Thank you, Cheryl. I actually want to say, first off, I don't speak geek. I speak English, lightworker, galactic, Spanish, or you name it, I can probably work it or figure it out, even sign language, maybe. Anyway, the truth of the matter is, I can make it understandable for you. Technology seems to be very complicated for a lot of people, and I've been in it for a long time, and I can make it understandable. I don't try to sell you stuff that you don't need, because that's not me. What I am, I am the type of person that can give you the truth, the things that you don't need. We can say, no, we don't need that. Or I even have a a listener one time that called me and we agreed that we weren't, uh, she wasn't ready for my services. So what can I help you with? I can help you with websites, blogs, video, podcasts, social media, and yeah, even even that weird stuff. Go ahead and give me a call and we can figure it out. Contact me at margosalas.net and I look forward to talking to you. Who are you? Why
2: are you here? What wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death? What happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you? Empowering, enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph a highly evolved discarnate spirit, concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising, and to make the communications available worldwide.
0: Today we have a very special guest. Michael Tallinger is an author, explorer, scientist, and humanitarian who unveiled the vanished civilizations of Southern Africa, the largest collection of stone ruins found anywhere on Earth today, this search for truth led to the launch of the Ubuntu Liberation Movement and a philosophy of contributionism. I'm looking forward to hearing more about all of this. You can learn more after our interview on the website at UbuntuPlanet.org. Thanks for joining us today, Michael.
3: Great to be speaking to you, Cheryl.
0: Oh, it's so wonderful to have you. You've got such an exciting story to share. And how on earth did you come across this discovery that led to the inspiration that's unfolding now for you?
3: Well, it's, I guess it happened more or less at the same time, you know. I've been fascinated by the origins of humankind since since a, a young child and fascinated by UFOs and aliens and all the stuff that nobody wanted to talk about. <laughs> right. Um, and um, while I was writing Slave Species of God in 2004, 2005, I stumbled upon the fact that you know, in ancient times money did not exist. And that was a big shock to the system, uh, trying to figure out how the world would live and survive without money. I started researching what the true origins of money was, and to my horror, discovered that money did not arise or, or evolve out of thousands of years of bartering and trading, as we've been told, and all the lies and deceptions that that have been told to us by our teachers and educators about money and what it is and how it serves us. I realized that those are all lies, and I went on a journey of discovery trying to figure out how the world would exist if you took money out of the system. And uh, so while I was writing Slave Species of God, exploring the origins of humankind, discovering the vanished civilizations in Southern Africa, the background noise was all about thinking about what the world would be like if money did not exist. And, you know, it took several months for me to start really crossing the first few hurdles and uh, realizing that the moment we remove money from the system, things actually get a lot easier and simpler, and we get a lot further a lot quicker because we suddenly have no hurdles to progress. And that became an unstoppable I guess, hunger for more more uh, light being shone upon that subject. And um, uh, very rapidly, within the first 12 months or so, by 2005, I started um, talking about a world without money and how that would work. I had not formulated anything uh, or nothing as far as refined as we have it today, some 13 years later. Um, But I started talking about that we don't need money and and that money is just a tool of enslavement and that things will go a lot better and faster for humanity if we remove money from the system. And I came up with the concept of contributionism. Um, I, I was looking for a name and a word that was not capitalism, not communism, not socialism, not fascism, not anything that we've ever had, something very different, because it would be done without money. And the name that came, or the term or the expression that came to life at that stage was contributionism, where people contribute equally. And with their skills and talents towards the benefit of everyone in their community and that basically stuck and then a few years later I realized that Contributionism is actually very similar to the African ancient African philosophy of Ubuntu And uh, I then started calling it Ubuntu contributionism, bringing in the ancient African roots, since I live in Africa, and much of the earliest human activity happened here in Southern Africa. So we have a very interesting melting pot of connecting origins of humankind, physical evidence of these early humans and other beings that were doing some strange things here, building millions of ancient structures. Uh, We're connecting it to the origins and the creation of money, And we're creating it to a new philosophy that is called contributionism, which is actually an African philosophy called Ubuntu. And it creates an interesting um, tapestry
0: and a painting that keeps evolving. It sure does. And it's so timely because so much is not working about the modern monetary system. So it's it's a well-timed evolution for you to come in and bring all of these ancient teachings back. I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but how do you see this moving forward? How do you see the shift unfolding? I realize it's happening within communities around the world already as your Ubuntu communities roll out, but then we have government and we have shared resources that are paid for by the government. How do you see that kind of all integrating?
3: Well, this is this is really the the, the fascinating story how the philosophy of Ubuntu and contributionism has evolved. You know, by nature, when you start discovering these things and the the terrible truth starts to sink in and you realize that um, that we have to do something about it, that we are all equally enslaved by this global capitalist system that is controlled by a few global elite bloodlines that go back thousands of years that have been basically the puppet masters playing humanity and running the world as their little playground. And millions of people are waking up into this notion and this realization every day, and then they get dumped into a deep depression because they realize that we're pretty much screwed. You know, what do we do? There's no way out of this. Well, the good news is, you know, there is a way out of this. So if you if you that headset or that that mind space or mindset, don't get depressed, don't get suicidal, don't freak out because… This is a very important thing we have to realize. Only once we realize that we are completely and utterly enslaved, that we are born into eternal slavery, into a planet uh, of absolute slavery, enslavement, controlled by these demonic, manipulative, sadistical beings. We don't even know who they are, whether they are human or not. But they certainly are represented by by the those that, that are in government and are many of the leaders around the world. Not all of the leaders, but most of the leaders that have the largest impact on our planet, obviously. Um, so there is a way out of it. So I'd like to tell your listeners that are listening to this, we are going to talk in great detail about how to get out of it and uh, and the evolution of the philosophy uh, which is an incredibly important journey because if it hadn't taken 12 or 13 years to evolve we we would still be stuck in the same kind of thinking and uh, in the old paradigm of thinking that we have to oppose resist and fight for freedom and all that kind all those kind of thoughts that have beset humanity for thousands of years that clearly don't work anything to do with resistance opposition or violence is old kind of thinking, old paradigm. And as long as anyone thinks that we're going to liberate humanity with those kind of actions and that activity, they are are stuck in the old paradigm, and we will never get out of the slavery system. So over the the last 12 years or 13 years now, the Ubuntu movement slowly but surely grew up around me. I didn't create a movement. It evolved around me. I didn't want to start a movement. I I started a political party in, in 2010, which... I believed that we could use a political platform as a springboard to inject the seed of consciousness into the political beast, but I was wrong. You know, at that stage, I believed it absolutely, you know, religiously, and I thought this was the the way to to get things done. But that was part of the journey of discovery of what not to do, and, and I had to do that so that we learned by getting involved in politics in South Africa, the UK in um, in Canada and in Australia and almost in the United States as well and just before we started launching ubuntu parties in the USA we reached that that hopefully that mature state of mind when we realized that politics is not going to be the platform but what it did do it taught me and it taught us in the ubuntu movement what not to do and that politics is completely and utterly controlled and we can never win by getting involved in the political arena and uh and so just to go back to the the initial i'm I'm digressing quite a bit here but your your question was you know how how do, I actually forgot what your question was but I know <laughs> what the answer was that I was going to give you and that is that by nature of of um of uh, what this is, trying to remove money from the system, so that money can no longer be the tool of enslavement. We have to use money and uh, the tools of enslavement to liberate us from the same slavery. And this is I'll talk more about that. But by nature of what it is that we're trying to achieve, we immediately start to think that we have to oppose money or resist money and resist all that that creates and controls money. And that is the wrong kind of thinking. And that unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, because it has now taught us, it's taken 12 years and at great cost and you know, stress, blood and tears, blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's brought us to a point where we now very clearly of what we should do and should not be doing, and uh, and this is very exciting. Um, this led us to the strategy of one small town can change the world, uh, in which we no longer participate. In, in any opposition, violence or conflict, but we use the tools of enslavement and the current structures. We use all the energies and all the money and all the systems and the greed of capitalism and the control structures of corporate, uh, the, the corporations that enslave us and the pyramid structures that create separation and compartmentalization of knowledge and information and, and so forth. Uh, we, we use all these structures in our favor and uh instead of opposing it like martial arts we take that energy that comes at us and we use it we ride that energetic wave and we bend it around and use that energy for the benefit of our communities and and uh i've said enough now but um so our, our intention is not to oppose not to try and change the world without money because that's not going to work uh not to create intentional communities. Intentional communities have failed us left, right, and center. In fact, they cause incredible harm to people. They make people lose their properties. They turn friends into enemies. The moment people try and start intentional communities, 99% of intentional communities end up in tears and devastation. Very few end up success stories and very, in fact, not very few, none of the existing um Intentional communities, whether it's Damanhur, whether it's um, the, the the Scottish one, whether it's Esalen, whether it's all the different ones, all the kibbutzes in Israel, none of these intentional communities have had any impact whatsoever on changing the world. So clearly, that is not the way to go. And uh, and a little bit down the road, I'll talk talk to you more about why the one small town strategy is so powerful, is so incredibly. Um, unshakable. And the longer people work on it, the more it evolves and becomes stronger and becomes unshakable because it uses the people of the community. It uses the existing structures, the political structures, the, the mayoral and the, the council, town council structures. It uses the existing systems to create a united community that creates abundance and prosperity for themselves.
0: I don't even know which direction to go in next. There's so much packed in here and it's fabulous. When you were talking at one point about how we're not going to fight it anymore, I kind of had the image of the monster that eats itself. It's like instead of fighting it, we're using the existing energy to show the fallacies of it and to morph it into something else. Was that the right energy, the right image for Uh me?
3: absolutely that's exactly the image and 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 you know again because so so the ubuntu movement became very popular very quickly and unfortunately it consumed me and 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 it and in many ways you know was very devastating to me personally <laughs> emotionally in my relationships financially in many ways because it just it just sucked me into it and really just hijacked my life in many ways mm-hmm. uh but we've now learned what not to do we've learned where to put our energy and our focus and it's exactly that because the first the first 10 years of the ubuntu movement was literally dealing with people that were very conscious very spiritually connected um you know I often call them spiritual hippies, not because I'm being derogatory, but because that's that's really what we are we We' are these loving, beautiful human beings that can't see any can't imagine any harm to anyone. We believe that love and peace will change the world, but unfortunately, that's not going to do the job that's just a part of it. It's a very important aspect of it, but action and the right kind of action needs to be combined with the meditation, with the intentions, with the prayers. With the reaching out, with the supporting of communities, with the working together, etc., cetera, etc, cetera. Uh, all those wonderful, spiritually imbued actions that, or, or thoughts and activities that people, millions of people around the world pursue in and have prayer times and have uh, international channeling meetings and, and, uh, and meditations for, for peace and prosperity and all these things that are going on by millions of people all the time. that's not enough it is important but is not enough right so 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 you're quite right so we we basically had to learn that uh the existing system will consume itself but we had to find a structure by which it would do that and it was just an incredible incredible moment of of like a you know a, a sledgehammer of 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 divine light hitting me when, when it hit me, when I just went, oh my God, we can't get involved in politics because we'll get sucked in. We'll just <laughs> get you know, chewed up and spat out. Politics is completely and utterly controlled by those who run the world, right. as you may or may not know. Yeah. So the outcome of any election is completely and utterly predetermined, except the outcome of the USA in the last election where Donald Trump won. That's a whole another discussion,
0: okay? <laughs> right?
3: And, and that's a, that's a, that, that was divi- there was a divine moment of divine interception by some higher beings that prevented the demons from getting into the government in the USA. And uh, and there's some very interesting things going on, but that's not what we're going to talk about. <laughs> now we're going to talk about how we can take one small town and convert that into a place of abundance and prosperity. How's... And you know, one of the the, the most common mistakes or misconceptions that's not a mistake it's a it's a misconception because of the the nature of what we're trying to do here people automatically believe or think that the ubuntu movement is all about promoting starting up intentional communities people coming together moving onto a piece of land and building things up and starting from scratch and all that and the answer to that is absolutely not please whatever you do if you have any thoughts of doing that please stop don't do that you're going to spend all your time, money, and energy on trying to accomplish something that is completely unnecessary. Because we don't need to build new communities. We don't need to create anything new. We have existing communities. they call towns and villages, right? right? All the infrastructure is there. The roads, the farms, the factories, the, the plumbing, the electricity, the restaurants, the bars, the everything is there. The coffee shops. We don't need to start building and creating new communities. All we have to do is go into a small town or a smaller community. We can't do this in the big cities, obviously. We can do this in small towns. And uh, when I say small towns, the, the size of the town that over many years has become the, the perfect size model town would be between five and 10,000 people. Okay, Anything smaller becomes a problem. But we can delve into that why that's the case. Um so once we've got the the cooperation and the the willingness of the people in a small town uh once they've come together and realized that enough is enough we've had enough of the abuse of the large corporations of our governments of our local governments whoever it is um we want to start working together to do just, to do something better that's a beginning point but it is a lot easier to get the people together if you get the mayor and the council of the town who in many instances are beautiful human beings, who want the best for their communities, but they don't know what to do. And by sharing our vision and our philosophy and our very simple plan of action and implementation with the mayor, uh, this can go very, very quickly. And I speak from experience here because since we've launched this strategy in uh, 2017, I've had contact with well over 20 mayors around the world. And um, with great excitement, very few have jumped to implement this yet because they, they're just so shell-shocked by the simplicity of it and realize that it's real and uh, and that that this might actually be the end game. Uh, it's taken them a while to process this as well. But also at the same time, we don't have enough funding for myself to travel around the world and go advise and engage with the mayors to, to take them through the process. But, um, so once we have a mayor and a council that have seen the vision, they, once they got it, once they realize how simple it is, uh, the mayor then drives the initiation of this and drives this plan of action through calling a town meeting members of the town meeting and sharing his philosophy or her philosophy with the townspeople. And, uh, and, you know, I'm going to stop talking now because I'm sure you've got things to say or, or, or suggestions or questions to throw in here at this stage.
0: Oh, you're doing great. I'm I'm learning a lot about this. So my next logical question to you, I guess, as I'm following the thread of what you're saying would be, how do you see this spreading in a more effective way than one man trying to travel from town to town and convert the world with this beautiful philosophy that you're rolling out?
3: Well, that's that's where mass media and social media comes in and and our ability to make videos and and tutorials and share that with people, pr- produce uh, printed training materials and basically bullet point, step by step implementation plan, because it's not rocket science. Like everything in life, the solutions should be simple, not complicated. Right. And the moment anyone presents you with a complicated solution, you know that they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so our solution is so simple that every child gets it. In fact, the young people get it instantly. The older people take a little bit longer. However, not all of them. Many older people get it instantly because they've also seen through the BS and they realize that unless we do something, we screwed and and there is no future for the young generation. So, so the the way to take this forward uh, is really is just to, for me and others who are who are training with me and and learning about this, um, to start making proper instructional and training videos and. And online training workshops and seminars so that people get to the level of understanding that I have. So I no longer have uh, have to be the lone voice here. Because there is a problem here, uh, Cheryl. And, and that is people think they get it. They think they understand it. And then suddenly they run into a wall. And because they don't have an answer for a solution, they go, oh, my God, okay, this thing is fatally flawed. It's not going to work. Because right. they don't know it well enough. And if they don't have a solution for a problem, doesn't mean it's the end. It means that they've actually realized that they, that they don't have to have the solutions, that the solutions actually come from the people themselves, not from some dictator or one authority or the president or the prime minister or the mayor or the sheriff or a teacher. The solutions will actually come from the people within the town that are guided and supported by a, a mayor and a council that is there of the people for the people which we've not had for a long, long time.
0: Well, you know, some of us claim to have that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's another conversation, as you said. So what do you feel like is the biggest challenge that you're facing in rolling this out? Do you have some facilitators already that are speaking on your behalf and taking this forward? Do you need a bigger team?
3: All of the above. uh, Unfortunately, many um, people have run off. They get so excited about this. And, you know, I can understand why. People find us and um and they get excited about the Ubuntu movement and they and they you know, they, they run off and talk to their mayor and say, Wow, you've got to implement this Ubuntu And because they haven't been trained and they don't know enough, uh they, they actually cause more problems than 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 create a platform for future success because often they put the mayor off and the mayor then says, Ah, oh, this sounds like a some sort of a weird thing because the person that approached them does not know enough and doesn't know how to present it. So what we're doing, we're really, at this stage, restructuring the Ubuntu movement uh, into a movement that is more controlled, more managed, and not just people running off and doing what they think is right and actually possibly doing some damage to our vision and our plan. Um, But we don't want to stop people from joining and being enthusiastic and sharing the message and and being the messengers of light and, and and hope and prosperity. But it needs to be done in a well-organized fashion and a way when people start doing this on behalf of the Ubuntu movement. They have been trained. They have been informed. They know exactly what to say. They have the right printed material or a video that they can show uh, instead of putting their own things together and then you know realizing that they're not well enough informed or trained.
0: Yes, I can see how somebody moving forward with the wrong information could do more harm than good because then people think they've already heard of the Ubuntu movement and they haven't really.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Where is this going really well? If we wanted to look at the best example of how this has rolled out, where do you tell people to look for that?
3: Um, The one place that we like to uh, point to is um, a small town called North Frontenac in Canada in the province of Ontario. Ontario. Under the leadership of um, Mayor Ron Higgins, who embraced this philosophy, and in, in uh, uh, mid 2017, and by December 2017, he proposed this whole idea to his council, which was bought 100 um, percent um, by everyone, um, and uh, and they then started to put together a plan to implement this in their in their town. North Frontenac, unfortunately, is not a not a sort of perfect kind of town that you imagine of a bunch of houses in a town. It is a rural area where, where 3000 people are scattered across a very large area. So it, it comes, it, it in a way creates its own new set of challenges. So they are busy dealing with that very well, I might say, but what we have learned from this, and this is, this is the main lesson that we've learning from this is the moment Ron Higgins announced that he is implementing the strategy it was like the the dam walls opened up, the floodgates opened, and the the con- emails of congratulations and well-wishing came from thousands and thousands of people from all over the world to Ron Higgins, where he was calling me and saying, "Listen, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle all this this these emails from all these people around the world. We're not equipped to handle such a volume of." Of, of social media and so forth. So I said to him, well, get ready for it because it, it's just going to get worse. And, um and, and They've really managed this really well. One of the most exciting things that happened is they then went and, which is one of the things that that the mayor and the council and the people need to do, is identify the the industrial potential and the industrial opportunities, which are the which are the things that the town and its people can participate in, where the factories that are standing empty, the farms that are standing idle. Uh, What could be set up very quickly with the least amount of effort as a new initiative or a factory or a manufacturing plant or a healing center or whatever it is that the community uh, decides to do with existing infrastructure. And and then identify the people skills. You know, you might have rocket scientists that work at McDonald's because they can't find a job. And engineers that could be doing incredible engineering work that can't find a job, that are delivering pizzas. And and it's that kind of stuff. So th- this is this is as bad as it is right now. So the the most exciting thing that happened is that suddenly all the skilled people came crawling out of the woodwork. Uh, they started putting together a, a, a very exciting lineup of or list of of activities and community projects. Now we've got to qualify that the community projects are not. You know, a bunch of hippies getting together and deciding to grow food, or something like that. One would think of it like that. We're we talking about a community project in this instance, is a well-planned, well, um, uh, well uh, constructed, and well implemented, and well-funded business that has got a plan of action and that has got a, a, a master craftsman and a project manager and a and so forth. So, so the, when I talk about a community project. I'm talking about a business that is run and managed by a a group of specialists that understand that business, and it belongs to the whole community, to all the people of the community who participate in managing and running these projects. So in essence, what we do, Cheryl, is we use all the structures of capitalism that work to keep order and success and productivity and results. We use all those structures. We don't oppose those, we don't break those down. We use all that. The only thing we change is we change competition into cooperation and collaboration. That is the key fundamental thing that needs to change. The moment we get the people of our town to cooperate, collaborate, instead of compete, the investors come flowing in, they start queuing up. And that became the most exciting thing that we saw in North Frontenac, when the investors started to call Mayor Ron Higgins to say, I've heard about what you're doing. I want to invest in your town. Now, how many mayors do you know in the world that have investors queuing up to invest in their small town?
0: That's pretty impressive. Very few. I think there's a question that at least comes up Mario and I both have this question. So I think I have to assume that our listeners will as well around the piece of like on one side, how are those who are well-trained and engineers and so on? What is their compensation? And the other side of the coin, what about those that are lazier that don't have as much to contribute or are disabled and can't contribute? How does contributionism work with those same things that have become issues in other systems?
3: All right. So you've asked about uh, 20 questions (laughs) in one statement. (laughs) Uh, It's really important. Uh, I urge all the people to please get one of my, um, go online to YouTube and just search for Ubuntu workshop and watch one of the five hour long workshops or three hour long workshops on this so that you really get to understand this and really resonate with this. Because it is so simple that the questions that you ask are just completely and utterly
0: drowning
3: in capitalist thinking. Okay, But there's nothing wrong with it because that's unfortunately how we've been brought up. That's our
0: world, Right. (laughs)
3: <laughs> exactly. So everybody, that's one of the, what I call 13 most frequent, frequently asked questions. Um, <clears throat> and everybody asks exactly these same, question, same questions. And uh, so you've got to first take a few steps back and, and, and realize the structure of this. So first of all, nobody is forced to participate in the one small town projects or strategy. Okay. You have a choice to carry on with your life, carry on with your job, do what you want, etc., The idea is that we identify a number of businesses, whether it's a bakery, growing food, a fishery, uh, whether it's building furniture, forestry, um, whether it's a a health laboratory that manufactures health products and, you know, organic toothpaste and whatever. These are the factories and things that we're going to set up in our town. The first thing that we do in the town is we bring in our own source of electricity. So it's really important to grasp this. So the first thing the mayor does, like Ron Higgins did, is find a way to circumvent the national grid provider, national grid electricity provider, and find a way to provide the the town's own supply of electricity. We have our own electricity partners that will come and create and install our own energy device, whether it's a small town or a much larger town. We can provide any amount of electricity from 1 megawatt to 100 megawatts. I'm not going to go into the detail of this because I know the moment I say said this, your brain is probably firing and, and <laughs> <laughs> on all cylinders. You want to know more about this device? Please let's not go down that route. <laughs> Let me j- just accept that we have a device. We have the technology. It is nothing like anyone has ever seen. It works. It's not a figment of my imagination. It's an existing model. Uh, and we have our partner that will come and install this. Now, once we have our own supply of electricity, if you have a town of 10,000 people and every person pays $100 a month for electricity, suddenly you've got a town that's earning a million dollars a month in income for electricity. But Brilliant. that money is not being paid by the town council to the national grid provider. That money stays in our community. Mm-hmm. Can you see how that very instantly changes the dynamic everything. of our small town. Yes,
0: everything. Yes. <laughs> it
3: changes everything. Right. Now, a portion of that will go to our electricity partner because we need to pay them off. It's not They're not going to install it for free for us. They still have costs and expenses, so we're going to pay them for it. But it is our device. So whatever is left from our own contribution towards electricity, that's money that is now spent on uplifting and upgrading our town. Fa- fixing the factories, buying the farm products and implements, getting the farmers uh, fixing whatever we need to fix and and coming together as a community as our as our council a representative council that's that's chosen by the people and uh, and and identifying the projects and businesses that we now want to launch with this funding that we have. And if it's not our own funding that we have from our electricity that we now retaining for ourselves, there are other investors that will come and will want to invest. Why would they want to invest? Because suddenly, an investor that comes to invest into the bakery of our town, for example, there's not going to be 20 baker- bakeries competing against each other. We're going to have one bakery. And it belongs to all the people in the community. So, Whatever profits come from that bakery will be divided between the investors, which may be the people of the town themselves, or an outside investor. One third goes to the investors, one third goes to the council and the, communi- the, the council to, to pay the council's cost and to constantly upgrade and maintain our town. and one third is distributed between all the people that contribute towards one of the community projects. Now, how do the people contribute? Very simple. Everybody is asked to contribute three hours a week. So nobody has to leave their job. Nobody has to give anything up and start a whole new life. And you know, okay, we're gonna now give all this up and we're gonna try something new. It, there's never, there is no transitional phase. The transitional phase is that people making a decision to say, wow, I can find three hours a week. And then signing up and there's technology that we we also developing. And existing technology that we could probably use already that, that can work as a phone app or other online system where people with specific skills will then be called to perform certain functions for three hours a week in their town and their community. And once you've contributed your three hours a week, you can then have access to whatever it is that we do. One of the first things you do is get free electricity. So as we start this process and Only a fraction of the people, let's say only 20% of the people participate in the community projects. 80% of the people are still paying electricity. So the town is actually starting to make money for itself. You see?
0: Oh, yeah, you should see. I'm sure you're used to the look that Mario and I have on our faces. I'm sure everybody listening has got the same look if they haven't heard of this before. This is an incredible design.
3: It is just so because it's so simple. It's so organic. Yes. So now let's 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 extrapolate this. So the, let's just so let's finish the story about the bakery. So now we have a bakery that one investor comes and says, "Okay, I'll invest a million dollars into a bakery." Wow, what what am I got to lose? I've got everyone on my side. I've got a free labor force. I've got everyone working with me trying to make our bakery because it belongs to the people of the town to make it as successful as possible. I have no competition, no opposition. I have nothing to lose. And you can you understand by now that people with money in the world right now are panicking. They don't know where to invest their money. (laughs) Because you can put your millions of you know, millions of dollars you can basically lose in a few minutes if you invested in the wrong bloody place. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the investors are seeing this one small town as an incredible opportunity to invest their money because of all what I've just mentioned. Everyone is on your side, they are your partners they are laborers, they are free labor. So the, basically, when I say free labor, I mean all the people that choose to contribute three hours a week. You still need to fund the business. If we're launching a cheese factory, we need the machines, we need a cheese maker, we need the technology and the know-how. So we have to pay those people salaries to come and work. So the salaries will come from the investors or the profits of that business. And then uh, and then the rest of the profits, one third of the profits will then go and be distributed to the rest of the community that contributes three hours a week and As people start more and more people start to contribute three hours a week, we have a larger labor force, so we can do more things and and get involved in more activities and this This growth of profits into our small town just keeps expanding now I've spoken to a number of um of, of successful businessmen in the USA, especially uh, all around the world in the USA, especially on my trip to the USA now in in, um, in May, June uh, 2018. <clears throat> I had a, a very good meeting with a very successful American businessman who wanted to meet me because he loves the whole Ubuntu philosophy. And we had lunch in um, in Southern California. And and so I asked him about, you know, we spoke about the one small town model and he completely gets it. He gets it. He understands it. He, he uh, even as an incredibly successful, wealthy individual. He realizes that this is the end game. The moment we have one small town that succeeds with us, it'll create the domino effect for thousands of small towns to do the same. So that's, we just really need to get the first small town to achieve this. And then that's, 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 a, that's a, it's a, it's a done game. Uh, no government, no army no politician could stand in its way it's just going to it's just going to grow like a, a forest fire around the world um but what i was leading with this is i asked this uh, this businessman what is the an average an expected income of a small a small to medium sized business in the usa what what kind of income do you expect to make <clears throat> and the answer was anything between 100,000 and a $1 million dollars a month so let's take Let's take an average. We've got a town of 10,000 people. Remember that, or realize that our town of 10,000 people suddenly makes our town, turns our town into a very powerful labor force because we have 10,000 volunteers that are working for free. Suddenly our small town has become a competitor to every giant international multinational corporation that employs 10,000 people. Can you see that? Yes. Except our people are working for free and by choice. Therefore, their input is done with love, with integrity, with the right kind of energy, and whatever we create and produce will have a different kind of impact than anything that other factories and sweatshops produce with 10,000 people in them. So suddenly we've become a competitor with 10,000 laborers to any giant corporation and we can create technology, we can build cars, we can build rockets, we can build hospitals, we can create computer stuff, we can do anything we choose with our labor force. And it's a free labor force. Can you see how powerful this is?
0: Absolutely, I guess my next question, well, of course, there's a million questions coming up, but the next one that I wanted to address to you was, what about the areas that don't have a lot to offer in the way of building a town? What about the poorer areas of the world, even right there in africa where where we're speaking from, and here in the United States, it seems like we have the technologies to more easily roll something like this out, or am I missing something
3: yeah you, know, you you you're not you're not seeing it yet. There are no areas that can't embrace this. Poor areas can do it as successfully as the wealthy areas. And that's the beauty of this. You can do this in a small African town. You can do it in in an affluent American town. It's about the people and the mayor and the council doing it together. Otherwise, it can't succeed. You can't do this in any other way. That's why it's called one small town will change the world and not one small intentional community because that's going to do absolutely nothing. It's going to cause infighting. envy, jealousy, right. backstabbing, as it, as it always does.
0: I guess I was thinking so, of the undeveloped areas or the underdeveloped areas where they're not really that organized yet with, with their towns.
3: So what will happen is this will happen in the towns that it can happen. Okay, we can't be all things to all people everywhere. But right. what we can do is we can create the spark and initiate the domino yeah. effect. And as this domino effect grows exponentially, and yes. in a quantum way, not not in a linear, it's not going to grow linear in a linear fashion. It's going to grow exponentially. Especially with imagine. the young
0: be- people, as you mentioned. I'm sure with the young people that are really seeing the potential for this and have the energy to take off with it, it seems to me like a youth leadership institute would be your best game moving forward and train the young people to get ready to roll this out because this is their future.
3: Yeah, absolutely. and And this brings in... The opportunity for people to suddenly start to participate in everything they want. Suddenly, every passion that you have, whether you're a potter or a sculptor or a painter or a music teacher or a dancer or a yoga instructor or an engineer or a rocket scientist or a chef or a shoemaker or a baker or a food grower or a farmer or a seedling guy or a soil scientist – or a, or a water engineer, water scientist, or an air pollution scientist, doesn't matter what you are, a beekeeper, doesn't matter what your speciality and your passion is, you'll be supported by your community and your speciality will very rapidly become a very successful project within your community. And you can understand why. Yes. Right? Yes. Because at the moment, the capitalist system, in the capitalist system, it is financially not viable to do that. In our contributionist community, in our one small town, all of these things will become not only financially viable, they'll become an absolute necessity to create our town into a powerhouse of prosperity and abundance. Anything and everything we choose to do is possible. That's how quickly things change. Now, let's come back to the success story, because I digressed a bit. So... If we assume that, that a, a small to medium-sized business in our community of 10,000 people with a labor force of 10,000 people is now going to produce huge amounts of food. And you can just imagine when we start growing food and all the byproducts and the packaging and the processing and the canning and nothing will go to waste. You know, absolutely nothing will go to waste. And the distribution and etc. all of this is taken care of by our labor force. And we have our own electricity supply, so we never have to worry about not having enough money to pay some central electricity provider. It's going to cut us off because we haven't paid our electricity bill, because electricity belongs to us. So imagine if you have 100 small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses in our town, and every business turns over half a million dollars a month, which it should. Uh, it's a small to medium business. Okay. Let's, let's make the numbers easier. Let's make it a, let's make it a, 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 yeah, a million dollars a month. You can, you can also da- always downscale it. It's just easier to work with ones and zeros. So if we have a, if, if, if our small business, small to medium sized businesses are making a million dollars a month and uh, we have a hundred businesses, we're making a hundred million dollars a month in our small town turnover. I mean, it's, it's insane. Even, yeah. even if it's half of that, it's $50 million a month. Even if it's a quarter of that, it's $25 million a month. Which small town anywhere on earth do you know that makes for its people $25 million a month? Nowhere. It does not exist. So now you can start seeing how this will attract the investors, how the people will be lured towards this. How when the mayor announces this and says, if you are, basically the mayor needs to drive this, right? The mayor becomes the the face and the promoter of this philosophy of the one small town strategy and the implementation. The mayor, with the support of the people, announces it using social media, has a channel that goes out once a week giving the people of the world the good news and this will probably be the only channel on YouTube or whatever social media network that'll actually give people good and positive and exciting news every week and and uh, and Giving, telling the people what we're doing that this week we we did this and we we re-engineered this and we we've done we've created a new bakery and we've we're growing so much food and we've got so much wool from the sheep and and you know we've designed a new we've reverse engineered the gmo monsanto corn seeds that we now have seeds that 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 grow even better and so forth and so forth. So the good news that the mayor goes out every week and gives the people the good news and at the same time, time invites the inventors, the scientists, the healers, and says, if you can cure cancer, if you can create free energy or levitation, if you have any new materials that you can design, if you're a material scientist, if you're an engineer or a painter or a teacher, and if you want to come and express your talents, come to our town. We will give you whatever you need and the research laboratories you need so that we can put your talent to use to, the, to your best possible um, levels. You can imagine what will happen.
0: God, what an exciting vision. This, this <clears throat> is just fascinating. And it's, it's rooted in actual planning. And And as coming full circle back to the beginning, as you said, it uses all the existing systems in a brand new way that actually everyone benefits from.
3: Yes. So, so what, what we're doing, in, in a sense, we're turning our town, instead of fighting money and, and opposing the systems and this and the banks and all that, we're actually taking all that and we're turning our town into the most incredible success story of capitalism. Our town will be so wealthy. We'll have so much money in our little town and that, that we won't know what to do with it. Keep, keeping in mind again if if you may have forgotten in this discussion that once we start growing food and creating supercomputers and creating healthcare for ourselves all of these things become free to the people of our community right so we if you live in us in our small town you'll have zero cost a month you won't have to pay for anything for food for electricity for clothing, for technology, for healthcare, nothing. As long as you contribute your three hours a week. And then the rest of the time, uh, you do what you love to do. Whether you like to breed horses, your, breeding, your horse breeding uh, farm will probably become uh, very rapidly, will become an attraction worldwide because you'll be producing some of the best horse studs in the world. It'll be selling for millions of dollars.
0: Can you see how quickly this evolves? Yes. Wow. Yes. And I'm seeing how quickly the time flies because we're already reaching the end of the show and I feel like I could talk to you all day. But you've given us some great resources. So go to the YouTube channel. I will tag that on the show where we can find some videos to learn more about this model. You really are creating the future one small town at a time. I love that. I like to ask my guests and I'll ask you, Michael, if you have a parting thought to leave us with today, something to leave in our mind besides all of this beautiful information.
3: Well, it's uh, it's very easy to get sucked into negative thoughts, and I know I'm guilty of it. Um, you can't can't escape it because our lives are just we bombarded from every side. Uh, by negative news and negative sentiments, death destruction, stop watching the mainstream news, Uh, stay positive, realize that we have a solution. We have a very simple solution to create a beautiful future of prosperity and abundance for every single living, breathing human being. And it starts with us. Start talking about it, go online, watch the One Small Town Can Change the World video, it's five minutes long, share that with everybody, So that'll give you an idea of how simple this is. Share that video with everybody. Join the Ubuntu movement. Become a seat of consciousness in your own area. Start spreading this philosophy because you know that all the problems and all the, the, basically the one small town philosophy has encoded in it all the solutions for all the problems we face as the human race. Because it comes from the people of that community, not from some ivory tower somewhere, somebody dictating to you what you can and cannot do. And this is why it's such a simple and elegant solution for all of our problems. And uh, so share this and know that we have a solution, that the dark days are behind us. Don't get sucked into negative thinking. If you do, turn it around as quickly as you can and and just constantly be the messenger of hope and prosperity and the good news that there is a bright light at the end of this this human misery that we're coming out of. And uh, and it's called One Small Town Will Change the World.
0: Michael Tallinger, the website again is UbuntuPlanet.org. Your passion and your commitment and your hope are contagious. So thank you for being a messenger for the future for us. Thank you for taking the time to be with us on the show today. Next week, we're actually going to visit with Kansas State Coordinator for the Ubuntu and Manager of the Kansas City Community and learn how it's rolling out on a local level for them. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to get on our mailing list to learn about upcoming guests and events at journeyofpossibilities.com and we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.